Imagine a beautiful Hawaiian beach. You see the waves, the beaming sun, and miles and miles of white sand. But what if I told you that decades ago, all that sand was actually covered in a ton of seaweed? I came here as a small kid, and this is how I remember picking limu. At low tide, yeah, the pile of limu was left on the shore, so everybody just picking through, selecting the limu that, that they want to take home. That's how plentiful. Seaweed, algae, there are a lot of names for the plants of the ocean. But in Hawaii, we call it limu. Often seen as a slimy nuisance, limu is usually something you hope doesn't slip between your toes when you swim. But for Wally Ito, limu is life. He has spent years observing limu right here at Oneula Beach Park in Eva Beach with his longtime mentor and friend, Henry Changwo, and sharing his expert knowledge with the community. I told Uncle Wally, as everyone calls him, that I'd never seen that much limu washed up in my life. So, where did all the limu go? There's uh, many, many reasons for the decline of limu. And along with the decline of limu, you know, came the decline of all our fish and lobsters and, and what at one time was abundant enough to feed a lot of people. Yeah. You're listening to Stemming the Tide, a podcast from Honolulu Civil Beat. I'm Ku'u Ka'uanoe. Before Western contact, limu was a mainstay in Hawaiian practices and diets. Known for its salty taste and nutrients, you could find it in more things than just your favorite foodland poke. And it was often used as medicine or a part of sacred ceremonies. The Eva shoreline was once prized for its abundant limu varieties. But populations took a hit during the sugar plantation era and the following urbanization happening inland. Furthermore, in this time of climate change, rising sea levels coupled with drought are affecting the groundwater discharge that limu needs to thrive. Because healthy coastal waters are critical for limu. In this episode, we explore how the effects of climate change impact native limu in the islands, and how this small sea plant, in all its variety, could play an important role in understanding the changes happening both in the ocean and on land. This is the Manawel. And so it's, 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 it's coming back. The problem is we see Uncle Wally calls this his limu walks, where he'll survey all the varieties and growth of limu on this reef. He knows all the spots and is careful to keep it secret. There's this one specific species of limu, the Hawaiian name is Aalaula. And talking to Kupuna, this particular limu was once plentiful all over the place. I only see it sparingly uh, throughout the island, but this is one patch. Um, secret spots, I cannot tell you where. <laughs> but there's one patch that I've been monitoring for um, the last four years. And almost from the beginning, yeah, I'm seeing change in when the limu is plentiful. Yeah, it seems to be shifting later and later in the year. Even though he can't pinpoint a specific change that's happening, he continues to make his observations, 
But it's a lot of work. There's like 550 species currently that are um, identified in Hawaii. Yet we're, we're literally just scratching the surface of trying to understand our limu. That's Nicole Yamase, a PhD candidate in the Marine Biology Program at UH Manoa. She is studying limu kala, which used to be abundant on the reefs in Waikiki. And while there are only preliminary studies about how climate change will affect limu in Hawaii, we can hypothesize. Nicole says that climate change may affect the abundance of limu in our nearshore waters, but more so the variety of limu we see on our reefs. Diversity is a good thing. You don't want a reef where you only have one species because if those species all get wiped out, that's it for the reef. Limu diversity means resiliency for the reef. And we need healthy reefs. They provide homes to the fish we eat and act as a natural wall to protect the islands from storms. Another thing that's getting more severe with climate change. When you have a lot of species to respond to some environmental change like climate change, then you have a lot more chances that those species are going to be successful. That's Veronica Gibson, a fellow PhD candidate with Nicole. So if warming waters take out a certain kind of limu, the hope is that others will thrive and continue to feed the fish in that area. In fact, Nicole shared that in some of her studies, there were some plants that we identified and they were reproductive in like either high CO2, acidic, or even a combination of both. And, you know, plants reproduce when the, their environment is ideal. Which is great news! Those findings give us some hope that maybe there are limu that will be resilient to the effects of climate change and will continue to nourish the reefs in the future. The idea that caring for limu means caring for the reefs brought me back to that walk on the beach with Uncle Wally. He explained that that care doesn't just start at the shore. It's one of the things Uncle Henry always talked about. He pointed to the top of the mountain, that first raindrop that falls on top of the mountain. We take care of that water all the way down, all the way to the shoreline because it's that water that actually feeds our limu. Limu can also be an indicator of the health of the reef. A change in growth of a certain species could mean a change in the conditions the limu would normally grow in. And less variety of limu in an area could mean a change in the fish population that normally eats there. This interplay between different ecosystems is something Kanoe Morishige has been studying. She's a coordinator for the nonprofit Namaka Onauna. This is what I'm really passionate about. So land and ocean, so everything on the shoreline, um, that's a direct reflection. So the limu, the opihi, ha'ukiuke, all the invertebrates, all these communities are a direct reflection of the health of our lands and our oceans. Kanoe has been monitoring limu, opihi, and urchin populations in Hawaii to determine how healthy their ecosystems are. And limu? Limu will be our first indicator on the shoreline as far as what's happening in the ocean and, and on land. Even small changes, such as a change in when limu reproduce, can be a precursor for much bigger changes to come. During the hotter seasons, or what is called kauvela, limu tends to die back because it doesn't get a lot of wave wash. And during that window of dieback, that can leave an opportunity for that habitat to be taken over by other types of non-native limu that might move their way in, or one type of limu that might grow when 
when a healthy system needs diversity of limu to grow because different things eat different limus. Diversity again, like Nicole and Veronica said. When there are more types of limu, there can be more types of invertebrates, more fish, and so on and so forth up the food chain. Everything is connected, and all these different species need each other to thrive. And that includes us. If these kinds of aspects of our environment change, then that can really offset the growth of these populations in general. And so with those missed windows, we might not see as much growth of our seasonal limus that we love to eat and that our communities are still really tied to today. So yeah, limu can teach us a lot. And Hawaii is the perfect place to learn more about it. We have a really one of the highest diversity of algae in the world. And we also have the most cultural use of limu. Limu is not just something to look at. This is who we are as a people. It brings us together. It helps us feed our communities. I think it's a chance to kind of take a look at ourselves and think about what kind of future we want. If you liked this episode, head over to civilbeat.org slash podcasts. I'm your host, Ku'u Ka'uanoi. My editor is Nathan Eagle, and this episode was produced by April Estrelon. Our music is from Blue Dot Sessions. Stemming the Tide is supported by the Environmental Funders Group of the Hawaii Community Foundation, Marisla Fund of the Hawaii Community Foundation, and the Frost Family Foundation. To learn more about Civil Beat and our journalism, subscribe to our free morning email newsletter by texting CIVIL to 66866.